We're talking over the last couple of weeks about this concept called transformation, about becoming better humans. And it flows out of a, a passage in Romans chapter 12, which is a book uh, after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's Acts, and then it comes to a book called Romans, which is a writing of the Apostle Paul to a church in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. And uh, it's a church that had a lot of division in it. It's a church that uh, had... Uh, two different races that were trying to figure out how to gather, two different cultural backgrounds, and they weren't getting along that well. So Paul writes to them and says, I want you to live a little differently. Uh, I want you to look at what you share in common rather than what your differences are. And in fact, let your differences be things that bring you together. That's the power of the gospel. He said, in our, in our first week, we went out of this one. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. All the transformation starts on the inside in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So everything that we're talking about after this is because God is not just somewhere on a throne somewhere, nor is he in a grave somewhere, but God through the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of those who follow him and enables you to be transformed. So to not look like the culture, which is all full of all kinds of things, of anger and frustration and, and belligerence, he's, he's saying that you can actually live differently. This will empower you. What will empower you? The Holy Spirit changes how you think. He empowers you to live what kind of a life? A beautiful life. What kind of a life? A satisfying life. What kind of life? A perfect life in his eyes. How many of us want a beautiful life? Turn to that person who didn't put their hand up and say, why do you want to be miserable? No, come on, pastor's talking. How many of you want a beautiful life? Let's try that again. Let's we're all here. This is not TV. I can see you. How many of us want to live a satisfying life at the end? That was good. How many of you would love to live a life that perfectly aligns with what God has for your life? Yes. Whether you know God or don't know God, those are all great statements about how to live life. And Paul is he's he's talking to this church and say, "You can live differently. You can model a different way." And he talks about first, here's, it starts in you, and, he, and he, we addressed in the first week how God wants to transform you on the inside. And then last week we talked about how a church that's not about all, everybody being the same, it's actually the strength of our diversity is found when we sacrifice for unity. We're so, so different culturally, we're so, so different in so many ways. But sometimes in, in the world, that would drive us apart. But in God, because of Jesus, it actually can bring us together and more stronger together. We have the power to transform not just the, ourselves, but to transform a church, which transforms a community, which transforms a world. That's what God's about. Is He's not just about uh, giving us a beautiful life, but to actually help the world be beautiful, to help the world, uh, the people who are far from him, uh, understand what it means to have a satisfying life. That's what God's about in transforming us. So there's us he wants to deal with, then the people around us that we kind of like, but then what, it, what about Paul begins to deal with another as, aspect of our humanity. What do we do with the jerks? We like us and the people around us, but what do we do with the people who are just nasty people? Anybody have someone in that in their life? Come on. It's not the, don't, if you think it's the person beside you, it's not, it's okay. But what do we do with the people who just seem to be unkind, they seem to be bigoted, belligerent, <clears throat> pass me my water there, mean, 
cursing, attacking our character, the people you just wish would go away. Now, I know all of you are much more holy than me and never, ever feel that way, but I feel that way from time to time. Because we all have people in our life that rub us the wrong way, that push our buttons, that in some way are easy to spot as our enemies. The, we, we see enemies being created by the push of our culture in the media and the social media realm. We live increasingly polarized in our politics. We live increasingly polarized in our culture in so many ways. Right, left, liberal, conservative, label, label, label everybody, emphasizing our differences. And it brings all kinds of things, men against women, this race against that race, the immigrant against the citizen, choose between the veteran or the refugee, the poor against the rich, and some people are deliberately stoking those fires in our culture. And you see the pain and you see the poison that's being spewed out in so many places, in so many ways. And particularly if you follow the media push, you might find yourself being pushed along in a certain way that is seeing other people as your enemy rather than an ally, rather than somebody that God loves just as much as he loves you. So there's those kind of forces at work. Some of us, we have people who, for whatever reason, have a personal issue with us. They've been unkind. They've been unrepentant. Maybe they've betrayed us. They've done something against us. Who hasn't been hurt by somebody's words or actions or email or snide comment? A number of weeks ago, earlier this year, I got an email that and I get emails from time to time about, because I'm up here in a pretty public place in front of hundreds of people week after week. And sometimes I get feedback that's less than uplifting. I'm looking at you. No, I'm not looking at you. I'm okay now. And most of the time I can brush it off because it's whatever. I'm going to say something wrong in the, the amount of time that I stand up here and speak, I'm going to say something that's wrong. Somebody might have already been offended by something that I, somebody I said. I don't know. It just happens. I don't intentionally do it. Please, I don't. But someone said some things that were kind of cutting, that were judgmental and, and, and hurtful to me. And normally I can brush it off. But this week, they hit me on the wrong week. And I, I was carrying it like... I was getting upset. I was imagining how I could beat them in the argument, how stupid their argument was. And like, again, none of you ever think like this, so it's all right. Just have pray for me because your pastor needs help. And so I was going through all kinds. I went up, went to bed with it, and I came up, waking up with it. I was not praying for them. I was thinking other thoughts towards them. And, and it was just not a good space that I was in. And sometimes that happens. And eventually I got over it. I had to pray, and I had to repent. And they didn't know any of this was going on. They were blissfully unaware going on with their day and I was like I was thinking of seeing them and I wasn't thinking kind thoughts we have those things in our lives we have people that do that perhaps for you it's a someone who constantly criticized you growing up maybe a teacher or your parent or that university colleague that says I'll be part of your cohort I'll help you four people working together all all your grades riding on all of us how well we do and that one guy doesn't show up, doesn't contribute, sleeps in, never. You know. Or maybe it's your partner had an affair on you or perhaps you've had a traumatic event happen to you or someone abused you or, or hurt you in some way. 
Maybe you have had people say nasty things about you on social media, bullies in school and all kinds of things. The culture, people who are clearly do it to us. And then there's another realm that clearly affect us, but I think sometimes we just say, oh, it's just the way it is. But when I expand the definition of enemy from somebody that has actively hurt me to somebody that I have just put distance between me and them, so there's active hurting, and I definitely leave, and then there's other people who I just kind of do a Canadian passive-aggressive and put some distance between. We're good at that, really good at that. That might be the person that you just don't understand. Just don't get them. Don't get why they think like that. It might be that person that you fundamentally disagree with, and so you put some space between them. An enemy might be the neighbor that continues to throw stuff over your fence, you know. Our enemy might be the person that cuts you off in traffic and your something rises in you. Our enemy might be the politician that seems to be doing everything he can to screw over your family. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. If one came to mind for you, that's your issue, not mine. Our enemy might be the person that calls in sick falsely knowing that you're going to have to double shift. Our enemy might be our spouse who continues to be engaged in addictive behavior. We all have those ones that there's cultural pressure, there's ones that are clearly working against us, and then there's ones that we just kind of put space between us. There are become like an enemy to us in that way. And there's their initial actions where they might have hurt us. There's the things that are pushing us, but how we handle it continues to affect us and affect our lives. And the beautiful life, the satisfying life, the life that's perfect in his eyes somehow seems to be a pipe dream or meant for somebody else and not for us. And we get very easily into a cycle of nasty words, of, of distance between, of seeking revenge, of feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness. And it all affects us. It affects us in our thinking. It affects us in our emotions, which then affects us in our body. That's why Paul said, be transformed by changing the way you think. Because you can never rise above the level of your thinking. You can never move beyond the level of your thinking. And what you think affects what you do. And what you do affects how you live. So if you want to change how you live, you need to start with transformation on the inside. So how do you deal with someone that just seemed to come? Those people. The unkind, the negative, the bossy, the abuser, the vindictive one, the judgmental one. Is it possible to be better humans? I was praying this morning, and one of the things that I felt like the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning is break people, some people out of some prisons that you have in your thinking, some prisons that have actually locked you up from looking forward, some prisons that have things that have happened long ago that are still ruling your life today, that today could be your day to walk out of the prison that's held you back. Some of you, it's been longstanding. Some of you, it happened this week. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and this is our last uh, message in this series, and then we're going to move on. Verse 14, and then 17 to 21, says, Bless those who persecute you. Hmm. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So far, this is not looking fun. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, in other words, do the opposite. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You're like, that's the best phrase right there. He's going to burn, man. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's say that last sentence together. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, Paul doesn't minimize the things. He doesn't pretend they're not there. He just says, there's a better way. He casts a vision of transformation. He says, where evil doesn't win the day, but good wins the day. Where evil doesn't overcome good, but good actually overcomes evil. And he goes through and casts this incredible vision. Now, growing up on a hobby farm, as I did, in a little town of Burton, B.C., if you ever want to look where that is, it's nowhere right in the middle. And there, we had, uh, for a time, when I was very small, we had literally, I, th- I think, around oh, hundreds of little of meat birds, and we had, uh, which are chickens, and also we had a rooster. Now, if you know the roosters, and that's kind of what he looked like, I think it's a Rhode Island rat. Now, that guy, well, not that very one, but one like that, he would guard his chicken coop. He would guard his little harem. It wasn't a little harem. It was a large harem. There was hundreds of them. So he guarded them with, and you would always have to be careful when you're around him. You want to collect the eggs and everything. You had to be watching all the time for him because he would do crazy stuff. He wanted to protect his space, so he would try and jump at you. And, and, if, and in fact, one time my sister so the story is told to me, had this rooster attack her. And, and you think, well, what, what exactly could a rooster do? It's like this big. But those things can flap their wings, they peck at you, and they have little spurs on them. Some of them do, and they'll try and scratch you. And so this happened one time, too many, and one of my brothers, uh, or a couple of them, dealt with that rooster, and he became stew. But we also had geese. Now, those geese look so nice and cuddly. White, all beautiful, nice beaks, contrasting color. Now, I can remember, I was probably six or seven years old, and these geese, I was absolutely terrified of them. I don't know if you have ever been. If you, if you're, if you think, oh, I'm so brave, you go to Stanley Park and you head for a nest of a Canada goose, and you see how brave you are. I remember these geese, they would come around, again, not very big, in fact, pretty small, looking so good, but they're like, you know, the Bible says that the, the devil can be like a, uh, an angel of light. He can masquerade. That's those things. They look, they look all white and all cuddly and everything. They are the devil in disguise. I can remember going along, and they just come at you. They make this like a snake. <laughs> And they're coming at you and honking and flapping their wings and chasing me around. And I'm, ah, I'm running. And I would run from them all the time. And then one time, my next older brother, he got between me and the goose. He grabbed that goose by the neck. And he did this thing with him. I did not know that they could go in a circle. <laughs> over his head, one, two, and just flung it. And the goose, ah, honk, 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 and he runs away. That goose never bothered me again. Crazy. The things that you went through as a child that you never know will end up in a sermon. They're just amazing. But in both cases, if I had just left them alone, it would have been okay. If I didn't deal with them, they would continue to dominate me. If I didn't deal with them and put them in their place, I'd be left with a small patch of the yard where they would let me have and when they let me have it. 
My enjoyment of life would shrink. My space in life would shrink unless they decided to leave me alone. But when I faced them, when we dealt with them, their power over me was broken. That little rooster, he tasted good. They were birds. I was a human. Yes, they were scary. Yes, they made a lot of racket. Yes, I was quaking on the inside. But I learned something that day. When I face difficult things and deal with them properly, they will stop controlling me. When I face difficult things and deal with them properly, they will stop controlling me. All progress takes place outside of your comfort zone. The thinking that got you where you are will not get you to where you need to go. So God wants to work in you. And so the writer of Romans has spent 11 chapters telling this church to come together. He shows them their commonalities, that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, that God who is rich in mercy went and reached out for us. God has reconciled us. We're one family together. And he said, you can live a different life. You can model a beautiful life. You can model a satisfying life. You can model a life perfect in his eyes. And he says, it is possible to live differently. In Romans 1.17, it says that the gospel moves us from receiving life through faith which is we get to know Jesus and he becomes into our life and gives us new life to the power of living by faith. God wants to not only save our life, he wants to change our life. And the power of change happens when we invite Jesus on the inside and his power begins to work on us from the inside out. The power of the gospel is built on forgiveness. Forgiveness that we receive from God and forgiveness that we extend to others because we, have, we give what we have received. If you receive forgiveness, forgiveness, but you don't practice it, you might be the only one, you might be the one that pays the most dearly. But what is forgiveness? That is because we sometimes think, well, does it mean this or does it mean that? At its baseline, it just means I'm choosing to let go of some re resentment and my vengeance. I'm going to let it go. I'm just letting it go. The act that hurt you or offended you will always be with you. I have some scars on my my chin and I know it looks like I was a boxer when I was younger but I wasn't it's I literally was running up the stairs with a dustpan that was metal back in the day and I slipped and the corner of the metal thing just split open my chin and this and it hurt like crazy hurt like crazy I had to get some stitches in there and all that kind of stuff and it hurt and if you had touched it well it was raw I would have yelled and screamed but what now it's just a scar now it just tells a story of what was, but there's no pain attached to it. That's what forgiveness can do to the places that you've been wounded and hurt in your life, can allow it to heal where you remember it happened, but the pain that's associated with it, forgiveness allows God to come in and begin to heal it. See, it doesn't excuse their actions. It stops those actions from destroying your heart. And forgiveness empowers you and liberates you from things that you and I can stop, it, that uh, sorry, it forgives you and liberates you and empowers you to be free from what others have done to you so you can step into what God has for you. Just because you've been sidelined by the hate of people doesn't mean you can't be elevated by the love of God. Just because you've been rejected in your past doesn't mean that God can't redirect you in your future. Just because the enemy has limited you doesn't mean God cannot elevate you. 
After laying the foundation of forgiveness, which Paul has talked about in those first 11 chapters, you need forgiveness, now give forgiveness, now live differently. He starts into this place where he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Transformation. He says, you can overcome evil things by good things. You can change dark places and bring light to them. In places where there's evil, you can bring goodness. In places where there's hate, you can bring love. In places where there's discouragement, you can bring hope. In places where there's anxiety, you can bring love. You can be a force of transformation in your world. You don't have to be a victim of evil. You don't have to be the victim of the, the cultural evil. You don't have to be a victim of the evil that's been done to you. You don't have to be a victim of the evil that's all around you. You can actually live differently because there's a Holy Spirit that's living inside of you that begins to change the way that you think, that begins to transform you on the inside so that your life begins to look differently, that it begins to be beautiful. It begins to be satisfying. It begins to be full of life. Why not? Perfect life. Now, so we're just going to go into a few things and we'll be done. The do's and don'ts of dealing with a difficult. I actually first thought about the do's and don'ts of dealing with dimwits, but it kind of didn't go with the whole flow of the chapter and it was, I was wrong. So don't, the do's and don'ts of dealing with the difficult. First, do bless them, don't curse them. This one, he starts easy with us because these are the things that easily come out of your mouth when your button is pushed in the right way. To bless those who persecute you. That word bless means to think well of, to speak well of. It's, uh, it carries this, it's like comes from a word that we get our word eulogy from. You know, have you ever heard someone's eulogy at a funeral? And you're like, I thought I knew that guy. Anybody ever had that where they're telling all the things and you're like, whoa, I, I know a whole different story about him that they don't know that they're not telling today. The same, but it's the word is the same word when we're asking God to bless us. God's saying bless people in that way, those that persecute you. And these that persecute you, the word for persecutor is this. It's someone who is aggressively chasing you to cause you to run. This is not just a little thing that's happening. It's that little demonic goose chasing you until make you run. And some of us are running in our lives from things that have been done against us, and we're running and running and running, but you can stop it by beginning to live differently from the inside out. Because I can rarely choose what happens to me, but I can always choose how I respond to what happens to me. I am not a victim of my life. I am not a victim of my past. I am not a victim of what has been done to me. Because in Jesus, all old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I can have a new future that's greater than what my past would say. That's what the power of the gospel is. It transforms my life so that I can live a different life transformation. So when I preach this, I'm preaching it because I can, I've seen it happen again and again. I've seen the power of Jesus working on the inside to not only heal bodies, but to heal emotions, to set people on a right path, to change the trajectory of their life, where their past might say, you have no hope, you have no future. But God says, I'm overruling all that. I'm going to do something in you that's going to surprise even you. In fact, your mom's going to go and say, I never saw that coming. The quality of my response will determine the quality of my life. I am not going to, and I refuse to, and the Bible would speak to you, don't allow what's been done to you to determine what comes out of you. 
Bless those who curse. Stop limiting your life by what others have said about you or to you. Start living your life by what Jesus says about you and what he has done for you. And he says this word bless means to speak well of. I can speak well of my grandmother. It was hard for me to speak well of someone who betrayed me for a little while. Someone who marginalized me, who caused a great deal of pain in my life. I could go into it, but I'm not going to. Speak well of, and it says, not only speak well of, speak respectfully to them. Uh, which one's harder? I don't know. Then it's, all these are in that mood. Hope well for them, that their life would turn around. You're like, I hope your life turns around, that you will stop being a jerk. That's not what it's saying. Bless them, that their life would turn around, and pray for them. We can't pray for them in prayer and then curse them everywhere else. You see, Christianity is not a neutral thing. You know, if you can't find anything good to say, what do we always say? See, that's a worldly theology. The Bible says if you can't find anything good to say, ask God and speak it. Because bless, don't curse. Now, if you're only at the level of not speaking, start there. Don't start spewing it out. Begin to speak blessing. Live in God's peace. So we must understand that evil, though, because sometimes we're like, what's going to happen if I do this? That they're going to get away with it. But evil carries within it the seed of its own destruction. Because this is what happens. The Bible talks about that. If you dig a hole to trap somebody else, you will fall into it. Haters are the ones who experience somebody hating them. Gossipers find that people start gossiping about them. Negative um, deceivers are deceived. Remember this, when, till you, and remember it, and remember it, and remember it. Do not be intimidated by the evil that's going on around you. Don't be discouraged by the evil that's going on around you. Don't be tempted to operate in the same way by the evil that's happening around you. Live differently. The same spirit is inside of you. Bless, don't curse. Yes, even the politicians. Let me speak very clearly to that. The Bible says we have one response. Pray for them. If you spend as much time praying for as you do saying other stuff, actually some change could begin to happen because they're not going to change. They're, they're, they don't think anything. They're not worried about what you think about them in, except in the ballot box. But they're not worried about it hugely. But if God begins to work on them from the inside, maybe some change could begin to happen. Just a thought. So, do speak, do bless, don't curse the next one. Don't be vengeful, do be peaceful. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Some people want to fight. Some people want to get at it and get into it. They don't know how to live in peace. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Then it goes on to say, leave room for God's wrath. Living in God's peace. Because I live in peace, I can be a dispenser of peace. I can be one that gives peace. You might have enemies because people are offended at your beliefs. You, that doesn't mean get, live at peace by dispensing of, of, of your theology. However, often, very often, you might also have en enemies because you're simply offensive. You're offensive and you're not super kind. Maybe a little lack of love. Your patience is very low. One you can control. 
one you can't control. Regardless, mercy is the deepest gesture of kindness. Matthew 5, Jesus said, How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Wow. See, that's the gospel continually calls us to impossible things. Continually calls us to impossible things. Because my first response when someone wrongs me, we have a, a saying that I, it's a teasing saying, but I don't get mad, I don't get even, I get ahead. I don't get mad, I don't get even, I get ahead. If you wrong me, I'm coming at you. But that's not a Bible way to live. It's not at all. I read of a preacher once who told how he had heard another preacher on the radio say all kinds of untrue things in a very unkind way. And he was getting all worked up about it, and he was very angry, and he was planning to fight back when a godly friend said, don't do it. If you defend yourself, then the Lord can't defend you. Leave it in his hand. He followed and God vindicates him. Because I can rarely choose what happens to me. But I can always choose how I respond to what happens to me. So another do is do meet a practical need. Now this is the part where you really begin to know if you are walking in forgiveness or not. And if you're not, this is the part that will lead your heart into feeling forgiveness. Some of us are waiting for something to feel in our heart. When we make a decision, I forgive them, and that's great, powerful thing to do. It's the first step. But if you want to walk into another level where you actually are transformed, begin to live this way, do meet a practical need. See, he says this, and some of us are like, wow, this is the part I've been waiting for, fire on his head. Yes, I'm going to put coals on his head, light it on fire, burn him. It's a great picture. It was just a way to talk about that, that, in, in the scripture, a picture that Paul was saying, he's, and, it, and we might think of that, if he's hungry, I might be tempted to say, I told you so, God is finally taking care of you. Ha, 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 ha. I might, might be tempted to seize the opportunity and starve him to bring him to repentance. I might be tempted to seize the opportunity and give him sour milk when he's thirsty. But when I do over evil to overcome evil, I only increase evil. Christians do not fight fire with fire. We cannot react to sin by further sinning. Our own evil sin was overcome by the goodness and mercy of God. In the same way, evil is only overcome by good. God actually says, seize the opportunity to practically bless them. All before they've changed, whether or not they do change or not, seize the opportunity to bless because what you feed will grow. What you starve will die. So if you feed vengeance, you will get bitterness and all kinds of evil things in your heart. But if you feed blessing, you will cause things to happen in your heart that could happen no other way. You will find healing will grow in your heart. You will find joy will grow in your heart. You will find peace grows in your heart. You will find restoration into areas that you thought could never come together as you begin to feed Good things, God can cause good things to come alive in you. He's saying you can live differently. Feed him. And this word feed him doesn't just mean like throw something in front of him. It says feed him abundantly, yet very carefully as you would someone who's ill or a small child. Be tender in it. God just like gets in your grill. Give him some drink. And this means not just give him a drink, but drink to him. Toast him. Believe the best for him. Wow reconciliation, friendship, like a toast. So what does that mean practically? Maybe you need to send flowers to someone 
when they lose someone close to them. Maybe when they graduate, that, that enemy that is in your life right now, you're going to, when they graduate, instead of sending them a card that says, I never thought that I'd see that happening, you send them a card with a gift card to Revolver, Revolver Coffee. Now, Revolver Coffee, I didn't say send them with a revolver, no, nothing like that. Revolve, it's a, buy them a gift on their birthday and send it to them, surprise them. Give them tickets to a game that you know that they would enjoy. When they lose their job, use your network to help them find another one. Find out the Starbucks drink of that other mom that you're struggling with over your kids because they're fighting. Their kids are bad and yours are all perfect. You know those ones. When you see that other mom in the parking lot, you've already got her drink and you walk towards her. Say, God bless you with a smile and you mean it. Your heart is led by your actions. Don't let your heart lead your actions because your heart sometimes lies to you. Your heart says be self-protective. Your heart says keep a distance. Your heart says do it your own way. But the Bible says actually, look, it's a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do that, don't do that. By the power of the Spirit of God and you will get a transformed relational life. A life that's beautiful. A life that's incredible. A life that's perfect in His eyes. Your kindness is far more effective than any vengeance of coals of fire. It may or may not change your enemy, but it will change you. And bit by bit, we see transformation happening in our own lives, in our relationships, and everywhere else. Because what's going on on the inside affects what comes out on the outside. So when we walk in a different way, we can actually see a different result. Because I can rarely choose what happens to me, but I can always choose how, how I respond to what happens to me. Our part is obedience. God's part is outcome. Sometimes we want to control the outcome. God, I will do it if you will make them come crawling back to me across the floor, repentant. No. Our part's obedience. God's part is outcome. I'm not going to curse. I'm going to bless. I'm not going to seek vengeance. I'm going to seek peace. I'm going to do something for them rather than waiting to really do something to them. A whole new way of living to becoming better humans because you can be, when you live this way, you can be happier, you will be kinder, you will be gentler, it'll affect your friendship, your work life, it's going to make college go better. It's going to improve your family. It's going to improve your marriage. It's going to improve every area of your life because no longer are you walking as a victim. No longer is the rooster and the gander goose shrinking your life and destroying its enjoyment. But Paul cast this incredible vision. He said, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's good to talk about all kinds of theories and ways and but the Bible at times is very prescriptive. If you want your life to be different, you have to live differently. It starts from the inside by a work of the Holy Spirit where we surrender to Him. Say, God, I can't, I can't do, handle this. I, I can't run my life. I, I need your help. I desperately need your help. And it never stops. It's, not, it's a, both a moment 
And it's meant to have a momentous effect in our life, to start us in a new way, where we have a moment where we give our lives to Jesus. Yes, powerful. But then God says, I don't want you just to be touched by faith in one moment. I want your whole life so that you can live by faith in what I'm doing in your life. So that you can become, in every area of your life, a life that's satisfying, a life that's beautiful, a life that's perfect in His eyes. So I invite you to stand. Don't be overcome by evil by giving way to it. Conquer evil. It says, overcome evil with loads of good. And that means to that originates from God as an empowered by Him. It's not just more effort, try harder. It's saying, God, at the end, at the beginning of the chapter, it's talking about, we need Jesus. At the end of the chapter, it's saying, we need Jesus. And in between, it's all this stuff that we get to do in His power to see our lives look differently so that we can provide a better future emotionally in our family so that we can, our life can be what God's called it to be. Because we can't change the world if we aren't changed as a church. We aren't changed as a church unless we're changed as individuals. Marriages change when, when husbands and wives change. Friendships change when friends change in a good way. Imagine marriages looking different. Imagine colleges, campuses that instead of being places of hate are being places of love. Imagine parents and children working together and coming together reconciled by the power of God. Imagine what our workplace, your housing complex, where people fight over the silliest things. Imagine people that live differently in the midst of it. Because the church, this is only one part. Sunday, it's meant to say, give us instruction. It's meant to inspire us. It's meant to give us an opportunity to turn to Jesus. But at the end of the day, you live six days and 22 hours in other places. But the power of the gospel lives with you in every place. That's what Jesus does. We always, at Horizon Church, want to respond to the word of God. Some of you have been fighting evil that's been done to you in your own strength. Evil that's been done to you. Evil that you participated in. Evil that's around you and it's just smothering you and sucking the life out of you. And you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Even as, I, as we're talking, you're like, that's what I want my life. I want a beautiful life. I want a satisfying life. I want a life that's perfect in his eyes that he designed me for from the foundation of the world before anybody even knew me. He knew me. He knew you. He knew you. Things that have happened in your life that are like absolutely devastating to you, he's the one who can heal you. He's the one who can restore you. He's the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. God does what only he can do from the inside out. So this morning, we always want to give opportunity for people to say, you know, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus for the very first time, or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Just every head bowed and every eye closed, just to give privacy to the people around you, nothing spooky about it. But you say, Pastor, I, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to look on my left, your right. We're not going to ask you to come forward or do any of those things. We want to help you, and so we're going to pray in a moment. But I'm just asking you to raise your hand real quick, and we want to pray with you and say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus for the very first time. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just throw up your hand, and we want to pray with you. We're going to pray. My left, your right. Today's your day. It's not some other day. The Bible says that 
God who is rich in mercy and abounding in love. He's a restorer. He's a rebuilder. He's a renewer. Right down the middle right now. You're in the moment. Okay. On my right, your left, anybody who says, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Yeah. All right, now this one. I know that some of you are right now battling some evil that's been done against you. Some of you for a long, long time. But today is your day, your day to be free. If that's you and say, Pastor, I, I, need, I need the help of heaven in this moment to walk out of some prisons that have imprisoned me. Maybe an evil that's around you, it's just, it's swamping your attitude. It's making your perspective wrong. Maybe you're struggling under unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. I don't know. But you know that you're living with the effects of it. It's affecting. When I talked about blessing someone, immediately someone came to your mind and said, I don't ever want to bless them. I only want to see bad things happen in their life. That's you. You're, you don't need to live that way. God wants to start from the inside out. That's you. Just any of those kind of things where you're just saying, I need to respond to the word of God. Just throw your hand up and I want to pray with you. Pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Keep them up. Don't wait. We're just inviting the power of heaven into this moment. Yes, all over the room. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. Thank you that there's no condemnation in Jesus. Lord, you don't look at us and judge us in this moment, Lord, but you, you Lord, you, you actually respond powerfully to those that humble themselves. You, you give grace to the humble. So, Lord, right now, I'm praying for special grace over each and every person that's represented by the hands that are raised all over the room. Lord Jesus, that you would empower, that you would do a deep work on the inside, Lord. I think some of you in this moment also just need to say, I release somebody. I release my right of vengeance. I release my right of vengeance right now. Let, let Jesus empower you in this. Just say, Jesus, I release them. Somebody came right to mind. I release them right now. Somebody else, there might, you might be also in a place where you know that God's put your finger on that you need to do something to actively bless them, to do something good for them. So, Lord, right now, we just thank you that we can live differently, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the power of heaven is here. Lord, I thank you that we can stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around us, Lord. But we can be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how we think. So that we can know God's will as we live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Thank you for your goodness, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that in, and I know, Lord, that all of us will face moments this week where, where we encounter evil. And our choice will be, do I respond this way or that way? We can't control what happens to us, Lord, but we can respond differently. We can always control how we respond. So, Lord, I pray that we'd be empowered by Holy Spirit. We'd be strengthened on our inner man, Lord Jesus, to live differently, to show the world that there's a different way, there's a different place, there's a different power that's working in us that enables us to bless instead of curse, that enables us to, to uh, give peace instead of vengeance. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen.